Thomas Cole, the Hudson River School, you know, yeah, the, the gallery was on Wall Street and Broadway where he first started selling his paintings, but he had gone up to the Catskills having read Washington Irving and he wanted to see these places and he painted them. And that it lit the fire for people to start going up there. And then the tra- the railroads got involved yep. and th- they got the fish. Yeah, you know, they would stop the lakes with fish to get fishermen. All this is fascinating stuff <laughs> to go up there. And the railroads would, if you wanted to build a cabin or house, better yet, a house up there, the railroads would transport your lumber for free. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So it was really the development of New York State. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Catskills were responsible. Welcome to Inside the Line, the Catskills. This episode is brought to you by Scenic Route Guiding. If you're ready to hit the trails, make sure you take the Scenic Route. Our guides are here to help you with your goals, big or small. Check out the Scenic Route Guiding and Gear Rentals on Instagram and Facebook for more information. Also, if you mention the podcast, you can get 10% off. Use the code MOUNTAINLION. MOUNTAINLION. So, Stephen, let's start this off. Uh, with a little interesting fact that I found online. So a lot of theories, I don't know if you know this already, a lot of theories are about the the name Catskills, where it come from, you know, what it has to do. I found this online. Hopefully this is true. Some say that the Catskills have nothing to do with cats being killed, but uh, that was derived from the (laughs) Dutch, right? The Catskills, you you see the pause signs all over. No animals were harmed in the naming of this mountain. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, it was actually right, brought from the Dutch that uh, where Catterskill means Wildcat Creek. Um, they settled in the 17th century, so that maybe explain it. Some people think about bobcats, and you know, there's a lot of bobcats there. Um, you actually get to see on most of the the road signs has a Catskill Park sign with a bobcat or a mountain lion <laughs> yeah. paw print. Which mountain lions is a big topic that I got to get into later on. Right? Huge topic. So many years ago, some people think that uh, the ship that went up the Hudson River called the Cat gave the place called the Catskills for some reason. Um, so it's it's a bunch of different theories. Yeah. We don't know. Some people still called the Catskills K-A-A-T-S-K-I-L, Catskill or Coskill. So pretty cool stuff I found online. I'm trying to start every every episode differently. Right. And you know not to believe everything you read online. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Simply, if, but if it's published in a book, oh my God, then it's the Bible. If it's published no, in a I'm book. No, pulling your leg. Uh, <laughs> be dubious of what you read online. Yeah, yeah. I will I will try. So welcome everyone to episode 25 of Inside the Line, the Catskills. Tonight, I have a special guest, Stephen M. Silverman, who wrote the book that I have right here, The Catskills, Its History and How It Changed America very inspiring book that I read basically when I started first started hiking in the Catskills because its history is so fascinating in the Catskills. So say hi, Stephen. Thank you. No, thank you. And boy, it's a heavy book to be taking with you when you're hiking. <laughs> Good call. Oh man. I mean, it, I might as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has a lot of great, uh, if, if you guys yeah, got thank you. 
yeah, all the listeners, check it out. Now, if I may say, my publisher was Alfred A. Knoll, uh, known to be known to do nice books. They did a beautiful job with it. it. I was really the first time I saw the layouts. I had no idea it was going to be so beautiful. They yeah. really went to town. Yeah. Uh, they went to town with a book about the mountains. Um, but uh, an author, I was as an author, I was extremely pleased. So, oh yeah, thank you. It's very, it's very fascinating, and it and it brings a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge about the Catskills, about a lot of topics that a lot of people don't know about the Catskills. You know, they might just be hiking and they don't know that this this place is really did what changed America. Well, what's funny is, see, you say hiking, and for me, uh, my business, I was a show business reporter for years, and I started People Magazine's website, and I was the chief entertainment writer before that uh, for the New York Post. So when I told people I was writing a book on the Catskills, everyone assumed I was writing simply about the Borscht Belt comments. Yep. And that was that. So boy, were they shocked when they opened the book and found Thomas Cole and Washington Irving and James Fenimore Cooper. And uh, yes, indeed, Jenny Grossinger. And yes, indeed, all the, the, you know, the natural resources that are up there. But uh, <laughs> that was a nice surprise yeah. when the book came out. It's it's it doesn't hold just the the borscht belt it holds a history of everything which is insane it's it's crazy and i love it i love reading it um so excellent so thank you to our uh sponsor scenic route guiding thank you once again thank you to our monthly subscribers katrina weinig darren white john comiskey vicky ferrera and john c thank you guys very much for donating monthly really appreciate it um i don't know if you're are you having anything to drink tonight like water alcohol anything <laughs> i always ask this question of me? Yeah. <laughs> I have everything. What do you want? Oh, I'm having a good old rum and coke. <laughs> no, I'm doing this dry. Uh, what can I say? If you if you can give a shout out to any local brewery you know up here, I'll put it in the notes and have people check it out. Do you know anything? I do. I bu- it's gone. I bought the, I bought a, a vodka up there. Oh, um, pretty, yeah. Uh, it's the one in Arctic. Yeah, I, I did a talk, but remember the book came out in 2015. So of course that bottle of vodka's gone. But um mm-hmm. no, and I am not a beer drinker. Yeah, yeah. I mean so, um, it's just a question I ask any anybody on, on yeah. the show. It's <laughs> no, but when when I am up there, I always buy bottles of the local stuff and, and give them as presents. Yeah. So, I'm I believe me, I my doctor said, what do you drink? I said, vodka in summer, scotch in winter, and champagne for breakfast. So I do imbibe, but uh, <laughs> right now, um, no. Not today. I have to I have to have a little bit of alcohol in me to get me a little bit more jumpy and a little bit more. Uh, no, I have friends who spike their coffee in the morning. Good for them. <laughs> don't judge. I don't, I don't do that going to work, by the way, if any of my coworkers listen oh. to that, it's not going to work. <laughs> Excellent. So usually I do, I, I, I don't know if you've previously listened, but I do Catskill history, a segment yeah. of Catskill history. I don't have anything tonight. Cause we're going to talk a lot about Catskill history. So okay. um, I definitely get, I'm, I've been reading some interesting books about more about the hiking aspects and where the names came up and hiking, like the Dimmy Doll and Notch stuff like that. So I can't yeah. wait to get into that. All right, I'm I I, I don't want to cut you off at the knees, but I I'm not a hiker. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've I've interviewed people who are not hikers here, and you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. 
Um, if you love the Catskills, then that's all that matter. I'm a city boy, period. The publisher came to me and said, you should do a book on the Catskills. And I said, you're out of your mind. Uh, I'm the wrong person. I'm not. I admire nature. I live over Battery Park. I can look down on it. I take my dog there. But uh, and, and she my editor actually has a house in Calicoon. Uh, she said, no, 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 you're going to find there were such eccentric people up there. Yeah. And that's what you're great at. And the book will benefit from that. And I've reminded her of this. And she said, as she would, yes, and I was right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was the people I focused on. It's the people that drew me in. And, um, you know, everyone from Jenny Grosser. I mean, Henry Hudson. I didn't know that much about him. I didn't know what a tyrant he was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, so it, it was the people who, who got me up there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. So let's... uh let's, the word. Yeah. Particularly the gangsters. They were my favorites. But all right. Go ahead. <laughs> this is the problem with interviewing a journalist. I ask questions too. But go ahead. <laughs> Please ask questions because uh, I need um, some some more content because i i just i came up with some yeah. questions but yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> i we'll, like to i like to go we'll, as long we'll as fill i can the time how, yeah. in fact how much time are we filling whatever whatever you want if you have oh, a time okay. limit we you can go i actually i've started a new book and i have to interview someone at six o'clock okay so. yeah yeah we'll be done before then i figured definitely so um Let's go to guest of the night, uh, Stephen M. Silverman, and he is the author of The Catskills, Its History and How It Changed America. It's great to have you here, Stephen. So uh, introduce yourself, Stephen, maybe a little bit background uh, about yourself, everything, because I read your background on Wikipedia and it is impressive. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> then you know how old I am. Um, <laughs> I've been a uh, writer and author and journalist my entire career. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I did not go to the Borscht Belt in its heyday. Um, I, I, I came to New York to go to Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, and I saw that, hey, this is the center of the world and no parents. So I'm staying in New York City, which is what I've done. And as I name dropped earlier, I Fresh out of school, practically, I was the chief entertainment writer for the New York Post. And I met everyone and I wrote for every magazine and book publishers started asking me to write books. And I did. And um, before the Catskills, I wrote the biography of the great British film director, David Lean, who made Lawrence of Arabia and the Bridge on the River Kwai. And Dr. Zhivago and Catherine Hepburn wrote my introduction. Anyway, I, after those books, People Magazine offered me a job. I started there. Website that I worked at Time Inc. as an editor for 20 years. In that period, my book publisher, Knopf, came to me and, and suggested, why don't you, you know, look at the Catskills? And I scoffed. There was to have been a documentary uh, put together by the wonderful film director, Joan Micklin Silver, and her husband, Ray Silver, and they had interviewed some people. Uh, in preparation for the documentary never got made. And unfortunately, they both passed okay. on. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Um, so there were there were initially a few transcripts jo uh, with John Conway, wonderful historian of Sullivan County, and just a, a real gentleman. 
and um, and s- some academic types. But um, you know, it, I sort of got a round picture of things. But no, I had to dig in, and it it, it took seven years. Wow. In fact, and uh, I'd never written anything so long in my life. You know, I was <laughs> writing <laughs> celebrity news bulletins for and obituaries for People Magazine, uh, basically, and uh, some of them are still running. My Betty White obituary recently, I was told, was the most read article in the 27-year history of People.com. Anyway, that's oh, my wow. celebrity connection. <laughs> and um, and thanks to the Catskills, I've lectured all over the country, and it's been wonderful. And at the what I find, and it's very funny, at the end during the question and answer period there are really no questions it's really people wanting i lost steven for a couple seconds there so sorry and one night an mc said look you know no comments unless you have a question for steven don't ask it so this woman who had said yeah well my aunt sadie met my uncle morris at grossinger's so the mc said you have a question and the woman said (laughs) yes did you know my uncle Morris met my aunt Sadie at Grossinger? <laughs> so I've had great fun and have met some colorful people as a result of working on this book, uh, for which I'm grateful. And, uh, you know, I get to talk to people like you long after uh, I've published, since Caskills came out, I've published two other books. One was the history of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That, that was oh, a cool. short. Uh, but Macy's came to me and asked if I would do it. And I said, I can't say no. That would be like saying no to Santa Claus. Yeah. And, and then uh, knock on wood, the Catskills book did well. And the publisher said, you know, you want to do the Adirondacks? I said, no, you got to, you know, I'm not a nature boy. Well, what do you like? And I, I, it took me a week, but I realized I like the amusement parks. Mm-hmm. So my last book, and this is the other big lecture I give around the country is on the 900 year history of amusement parks. Around oh, wow. the so um, that's my background. Wow. So I'm working on a new book. I can't say what it is, but like the David Lean book, it's about a giant figure. Interesting. Cool. I'm, I'm excited. Um, and thank you for that amazing background. And I got to admit, a lot of uh, people who, who don't hike do ask a lot of questions about the Borscht Belt, <laughs> especially yeah. me. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I, yeah, I'm these fa- people don't hike, they eat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's that was a big part in the book that you said is just like it was all about the food and the it's entertainments. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll yeah, definitely yeah. get into that later. Okay, I mean, good. Borschvelt is one of is a, it's, a, it's a fascinating area. You can't deny that. Absolutely. Um. So and speaking of fascinating, I have seriously been fascinated with this book ever since I bought it. I read it thoroughly. It kept me up at night wow. because just yeah. page after page goes into into more depth of the Catskills. It, it starts with Henry Hudson in 1609, and then it ends in modern day stuff at, at Bethel Woods and uh, fracking and different yeah. things like that. Covers everything. It's great tanning. You know, I, I hate to say it. I don't know if I'm doing copyright infringement, but most of my Please history. Infringe away. <laughs> most of my history comes from your book, and I mention your name every time. So, oh, thank you. I love it. I love opening the page. Right there is a piece that I can put in there. Like I, I think I just did one about the Rip Van Winkle play. Ah, and that was fast. I did not he was know our that. First big stage star in a way. Yeah, he was and our first f- fictional hero. Yeah, 
I didn't know. Uh, and that. he lived in the Catskills. Where else? I didn't know he did a huge, they did a huge play on him and it lasted so long and grew too yeah. much, much advertisement. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So how did, how did you, I, you kind of explained it earlier uh, a tiny bit. how did you come about writing this book? I heard, remember you saying an editor asked. Well, I, yeah, I was approached and then I, I was given the silvers uh, transcripts, which didn't provide enough information. So then I just dug in. I, uh, I hit every library. I, if I ran across a fact, I would, I needed an explanation. Uh, it would lead me to another fact. You know, I, I had a basic outline. I knew that Washington Irving and James Fenimore Cooper were instrumental and in Thomas Cole in, in, and in their way, whether they were painting or writing short stories in Washington Irving's case, it being Rip Van Winkle um, or J, uh, with James Fenimore Cooper, you know, Last of the Mohicans and the, the Pathfinder series. Um, all that publicized the Catskills and, and you know, got public attention and public curiosity as far as England and travel writers would come over. And then there, you know, in 1824, you get the Catskill mountain house that there had never been anything like it yep. on the planet. And I, and I mean, just to look at that architectural wonder and uh, think how the hell did they get the materials up there? Exactly. How, what did they feed? You know, the people, <laughs> what did the people do up there? So what was interesting, uh, you know, public perception of the Catskills after World War II was that this was a Jewish resort. This is where the Jews from New York City went to escape summer heat, and it was Jewish. Well, starting in 1824, when the Catskill Mountain House opened, they did, there was mandatory Sunday church services, and that was a subtle way of excluding Jews. Mm -hmm. And the Catskills, until about 1900, were what you call restricted. Yep. No Jews. It was for white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, period. Um, laborers were allowed to come in, but they weren't treated very well. They certainly weren't the guests. They certainly um, weren't the landowners. <clears throat> so the Catskills have that history, that big conflict, uh, you know, and the, the big question, how did it become so Jewish? And there is an answer to that. So, you know, all that was in the research of the book. Mm -hmm. And then basically, you know, you, you went, was this like <laughs> hours upon hours and upon hours of research? You'd one would Yeah, hit, you have hit to remember, I had a full-time job the whole time. Yep. And so this was weekends, vacations, after hours. I didn't have much of a social life. <laughs> um, and uh, well, it's all about, I mean, the history, you'd, you'd hit one thing and then you'd dig further yeah, and then it, was it, would, it would trigger another point in history to be reached uh, <clears throat> so once there was an outline of the book uh, you know i would fill in with stories and I, i'd show them to my editor who said <laughs> it's my natural inclination to be cynical and she said no 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 you know you're taking the wrong attitude be positive about this all this is an upbeat whether it's the uh, invasion of the gangsters up there <laughs> which yeah. really led to color rule stories yeah. uh, and, and is my favorite chapter um, to even, you know, at one point when the Borscht Belt was abandoned uh, the Catskills took a downturn. Oh yeah. But uh, it's just as I was wrapping up the book, 
the upturn was happening full force. And I wasn't, at, because my nose had been glued to the keyboard, I wasn't that keenly aware of it. And she brought that all to my attention. So the major rewriting that was done right before publication was, was all the end of the book. Because it, things are looking up next, in, even since the publication of the book. Now, real estate prices are expensive. I, you know, people wanted to escape the city because of COVID. Yep. <clears throat> That's a whole new addendum. Yeah. Look. So, um, yeah, it was never boring. I'll say that. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's why, you know, when I, when I read the book, I couldn't put it down because Thank you. one point led to another. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. I did not know this. And then it just kept going and going yeah. and going. It still does. The, my, my thoughts of, of the Catskills and new stuff yeah. that gets dug up is just absolutely phenomenal. And I, I'm very glad that, that you wrote this book because it's just, it's, it's so crazy. It's so cool to, <laughs> to read and it's cool to read over because I might've missed something <laughs> again. Well, Again, and like uh, like you said, like now now you're talking about the gangster stuff. I might go back and read about the gangsters now. I love them. Okay, gonna... <laughs> I hate to say, especially the killer was wonderful. And he, they, they, this guy, they were uh, they were skip. All the hotels had slot machines, and the police would only raid uh, before the tourist season began in summer. You know, they do a mock raid. You know, all the, everybody, the gangsters were paying off the cops. So you know, they really didn't raid them. There'd be a slot machine. And one uh, guy who was supposed to have been collecting the money from the slot machines was skimming and keeping some of it. So, you know, they took him for a ride, literally, and they <laughs> killed him. And the driver of the car th- thought that the, guy, the killer was going to come after him. He escaped. And where does he go? But he goes to Hollywood and he gets a job as an actor in movies. <laughs> and the cops are watching it specifically it was the Barbara Stanwyck, William Holden movie, Golden Boy. And they it, which is about a fighter. And this this killer is ringside and they see him in the middle of the screen. So they subpoena him. They bring him back for trial. Well, it turns out he's acquitted because. All the witnesses have been to, are, have been murdered. Oh wow! Yeah, I know, but it's amusing in its way. Uh, that Schultz was up there; he had yes. to escape. Yep. He, he killed two patrons in his nightclub at fiftieth at Fifty Fifth Street and Broadway, the Hotsy Totsy Club. So his brother, who had tuberculosis, lived in Accra, <clears throat> and uh, legs. Uh, moved up there and was sort of a local Robin Hood, unless again you crossed him and he'd kill you. Uh, Schultz is the one that buried something. Yeah, yeah Dad Schultz. Did I say Dad Schultz before? I, I could because I meant Legs Diamond. Okay. Um, yeah, Legs Diamond was the one who killed the nightclub. Dad Schultz was rubbed out in Newark, and as he was dying in the hospital emergency room, was running a fever and started talking about millions that he'd left buried in the Catskills. So supposedly, you know, it's, it's either still there yeah. or I suspect if it was, somebody found it, but who the hell was going to report it because you'd have to tell the IRS. Yep. Um, Bring that stuff to Switzerland. 
Yeah, get out fast. <laughs> uh, you you like mountains? Go to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> and banks. Right. So yeah, that was my that was my favorite chapter because Excellent. I you know I was awestruck with every, but and, yeah, with just about everybody. I mean, I didn't know James Fenimore Cooper was such a disagreeable person in mm. person, and that uh, Washington Irving was. Uh, his parents wanted him to be a lawyer. He wanted to be a writer. That I like that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And he gave us Van Winkle and the Headless Horseman, which isn't in the Catskills, but it's yep. on the way. Yep, it's on the way. It's right on the the outside yeah, of the Catskills. Fibiala. So, um, so this is uh, I mean, you broke down it every from. I mean, before. Not even, I mean, you didn't break down the geological history, but you broke down, broke down almost everything of the history. So yeah. what, what inspired you to, to break it down so categorically? Like it was, it was. I in, no, I'll give you the honest answer. I was insecure. I don't, you know, I thought, well, if I'm third, if I cover everything, then I haven't left anything out. Yeah. And I, you know, I knew nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good and bad, no. but it forced me and, and the, uh, to use every research tool I had and also to share what were the better stories. Yeah. Um, so to be honest, 2000, and, you know, I started hiking the Catskills 2015. Uh, right. I didn't oh, know anything about it. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. So, I mean, I'm just like you, I, I lived right up here for all my life and I never really knew anything about the place that was an hour and a half away from me. That's really sad. But you, but you always hiked. I, I hiked outside of the Catskills, correct? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to all honesty to all the, the, the listeners, <laughs> I am huh. not a Catskill hardcore native. I've just started doing this 2015, but I fell in love with it and I just did all crazy stuff with it. I read his book. I've hiked. I've dug deep. So I'm, and I'm how with are you. Catskills different from all other hiking trails. So I have been mostly all over the United States. I would have to say I've been into like South Carolina, North Carolina, Arizona, Western Canada, California. Um, the Catskills are very, um, underappreciated number one. Mm. Um, and number two, they're a little bit more rugged than people think they are. So you well, see, that the, was, yes, that was true from the very beginning. Exactly. So like, of course, devil's path, uh, is, is crazy. Um, but people will see these little, little gains and they're like, oh, that's nothing. That's not like the Adirondacks where it's 5,000 feet. No, not at all. There's complicated places, especially in the winter that get seriously complicated. And I've found the Catskills to be underappreciated, number one. And plus also the history of the Catskills is still there. Stuff is still sitting there from back in 400 years ago. So but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I think the, the Catskills are underappreciated and they still have their history intact, which is, which is different, a lot different than any other place. Cause yeah. it's just the history is still sitting there. The stone walls are still sitting there from, you know, a hundred, 200 years ago. And then like, like you said, 400 years ago, Henry Hudson came over here. There's still stuff from the Catskill mountain house a little bit. And that's what fascinates me about the Catskills when you're hiking in there. Cause you can still find remnants of 40, 50, 100 years ago. Yeah. So that's that's amazing. So quite a big question. Uh not big question, but still big question. How long did it take you to do this? Because this is a lot of stuff. 
I think it was seven years. Wow. Wow. And what shocked me is, you know, once I finished it, I, I then could go out and see my friends again. And boy, had they aged. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, um, I, I may have, but uh, yeah, it was seven years, if I recall. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of research and it's a lot of time, but it's, it's beautiful stuff. It's a great, uh, it's yeah, it's still selling. I was somewhere and it was stopped Oh, at the South street seaport near my apartment in New York. There's a wonderful bookstore and there was the Catskills. And I said, I'm the author and the cashier. (laughs) Beautiful young woman said, we have to keep it in stock. So, that's what makes an author's day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like I said, so, I mean, the, the crazy thing is you talk about, you know, when you published a book, it was blooming. I mean, like we, we also said that it was blooming even more nowadays. I yeah. have compared the last six years of when I've hiked here to the Borscht Belt. When I was hiking, when I started hiking, there was houses abandoned everywhere. You know, there's hotels yeah. abandoned everywhere, bungalows abandoned everywhere. And within the last three or four years due to, due to mostly COVID, of course, yeah, this place have been brought to life like, like that, like a snap of a finger. It's terrific. It's insane of what I've seen. And I've seen the history come back a lot. And I've yeah. seen people digging deep into the history, which is great. I mean, I fell in love with the Borscht Bell era, of course. I mean, why not <laughs> fall, fall in love with the era that brought so many people to the Catskills. I mean, it wasn't directly involved in the middle of the Catskills, but it was an influence to the towns. Right. So um, it, it's crazy. It's really cool to, to see that stuff. Um, now, when you did, of course, your research, it wasn't, of, of course, just the internet. What, what, what did it involve? Libraries, interviews? Yeah, I got people on the phone. Um, there were experts. No, it wasn't all on the internet. Although, I do have to say, if this didn't exist when I first started writing books, but the Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Berkeley libraries are all digitized. Oh. And man, does that help? <laughs> Definitely. So that, yeah, that was there. Um, there were sources, there were real live people, people who owned houses there. Of course, you know, the most colorful stories came out of the Borscht Belt. I talked to the old comics who were still alive and they could go on and on Yep, and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to not to, not to be, but the, the Jewish love to talk and they love to go on and on about it. I would too. Yeah. And they did. And yeah, it was the nostalgia factor, but I had to balance that because I wanted to go into the artists who were up there and the writers Mm-hmm. And with that, I, you know, there were professors and there were art professors and there were artists, I suppose, that I know of. Uh, <laughs> but their stories are legion. And, uh, I, you know, I would just talk to anyone I could find. In New York, there's no shortage of them. And uh, someone knew someone who had a business up there or a restaurant up there. And... Uh, you know, it's it's just the old net researching and networking. I mean, the, there were, there was a lot. Was there a lot of like phone? I also or... did go there. I oh, don't nice. want to leave that part out. But you know, the truth. 
there may be songs about this, but the trees don't really talk. Of course. <laughs> now, um, of course, I like little local people. Were they uh, were they surprised for for you to be digging into this history? No, uh, and mostly I, I I was in Woodstock uh, and asking around there, and people who had been there were friends of friends. So I, I got a lot from them. No, you know, everyone thought a book on the Catskills. Yeah, obviously there had been books on the Catskills. There's Alf Ivers, uh, Evers or whatever, yep, uh, Evers. which is a doorstop. And I found it a little dry and, I, you know, I, I didn't want to go that route. Um, although it's a highly, highly respected and should be book, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not to my taste. Yep. And um so no, no one questioned my doing it. They sort of questioned me doing it. <laughs> you know, don't you write about showbiz? Yeah. But, you know, the entire world is showbiz. So, yeah, it did change. It changed my life, this book. It, it made me something else. Excellent. Suddenly I was also an historian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah. Um, what, what would you think uh, was the most complicated part of the book? Well, trying to make the industries up there an exciting to read. That was yeah. the challenge. Yep. Also, I'm not scientific. I'm not, you know, fracking was tough for me to sort of digest yeah. uh, and explain and what was going on and how it was happening and why, what the effects it was having. Um, but you know, even tanning, it's not that interesting a process. It, you know, it ruined forests up there, and oh, yeah. it was done here in the city, and they moved it up there to get it. And it was polluting the water uh, in Manhattan. Oh, it's horrible. And then we had, you know, the whole viaduct. Yeah, that was an enormous project. That chapter took I, that may have taken a year in and of itself oh, wow. to write about the Manhattan water supply, which wow. comes from the Catskills. Yeah. The, the, the thing, the way I constructed the book was to keep showing it's the Catskills relationship to New York city. That's what gra- grounded really the structure of the book um, without letting New York city take over the focus. It's yeah. I mean, on the Catskills. New York city had a huge role in that though. Yeah. Our streets were paved with the bluestone yep. from the Catskills. Um, the swamp. The swamp was a huge, like, crazy thing that I remember reading about. Right. And Thomas Cole, the Hudson River School, you know, yeah, the, the gallery was on Wall Street and Broadway where he first started selling his paintings. But he had gone up to the Catskills having read Washington Irving, and he wanted to see these places, and he painted them. And that it lit the fire for people to start going up there. And then the tra- the railroads got involved yep. and th- they got the fish. Yeah. You know, they would stop the lakes with fish to get fishermen. All this is fascinating stuff <laughs> to go up there. And the railroads would, if you wanted to build a cabin or house, better yet, a house up there, the railroads would transport your lumber for free. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So it was really the development of New York State. Oh, yeah. That, you know, Catskills were responsible. New York State in America, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I mean, the, the Delaware Ulster was the first railroad built, correct? 
Yeah. And I do believe. Yeah. And, and it was like, the, the cool thing is, is like, I always say this on almost every, as you can hear my dogs barking, they're freaking insane. Sorry. Um, I say this on almost every podcast. So like every time I, I think of this is like, there's so many times that the, uh, the cat skills have changed and led one thing to another. I mean, you, you talk about making the, the tanning industry seem positive. It, it really, it really wasn't. <laughs> It was, no, this, it was polluted, but it gave us leather goods, supple leather, leather goods. We should explain that tanning isn't uh, sitting under a sunlight uh, yeah. bed. <laughs> yeah, it, tanning is is uh, the process by which the rawhides, which were imported from South America, the leather goods would would be shipped to the Catskills, and there was a special fluid that the the bark of the trees was stripped and it, it, it they called it an alcohol the, yep. the potion that an acid yeah and that would break down the the toughness of the hides and you'd have beautiful wallets and shoes and boots and purses and uh but but then it would lead to it would lead to cutting the trees down and then throwing all that stuff in the river so it was yeah. a crazy it was a crazy time yeah it was bad stuff it not was- ecological yeah, it was great for for the history and for the people, the locals to work. The economy. But was, yeah, but it was horrible for yeah. the uh, the forest and everything else. And then, but then after that was dead, it led to the beautiful fly fishing fishing of the Catskills. Right, like, like you said, the the dropping of the the fishes and stuff like well, that, the, the eggs. And the most successful industry that was ever up there was the hospitality industry. Yep, which essentially was born there. Exactly. And like, like, like you said, the Catskills, a lot of people think like out West was the beginning of America or New York city and stuff like that. It was New York city was. I was, did. I thought, yeah. you know, last of the Mohicans, I thought, well, you know, it's cowboys and native Americans. It has to take place in Arizona or something. The <laughs> wild West. Well, the wild West was West of New York city. The yep. Catskills. Yep, exactly. <laughs> nice yeah. way to say that. Good way to turn things around. So um, I think we kind of went over what, what was, what do you think was the most complicated time in the Catskills? I don't know how, how, if that's an, an yeah, no, 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 that, well, oh, yeah, it, it was the transitional period. As I said, when the Catskill mountain house opened in 1824, it, uh, it established a certain level of hospitality. It established a certain level of clientele and it was restricted. And, um, Unless you were white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you are not welcome. Our hotels and boarding houses will keep you out. And uh, it was a policy that was enforced. It, it cost Fleischmann to buy an entire, the yeast maker, to buy an entire town, which is called Fleischmann's today, yeah. and build his home there. And um, so the transitional time, what happened was people were dying of tuberculosis. It was beyond the COVID of its time, or I suppose they were on an equal par yeah. uh, all over the world. Nobody knew how to treat it. Uh, doctors in New York City, uh, is respiratory, TB. Um, consumptives were the patients. That's what they were called. And the doctors didn't know what to do with them. And they thought they would send the patients down south thinking a warm climate would help their lungs, no, they would die instantly. And what was discovered in Switzerland was 
putting these people outside in the cold mountain, clean air. And it worked. So it, so this noble experiment uh, moved to the Adirondacks and the same thing applied. It worked, it cleared out the lungs. So then the question was, would it work in the Catskills? Does it have the same sort of air as, the, as Switzerland and the Adirondacks? And it did. And to boot, it was closer to New York City which meant the patients, it was easier for them to, to get to the remedy plot, uh, place. It was also believed that tuberculosis was genetic. So nobody was really worried at first. Well, then it was discovered, no, tuberculosis is highly contagious. So those who could sell their businesses did so immediately. And in the hotels, people were dying and the hotel owners would have special arrangements with the morticians to sneak the corpses out in the middle of the night. People would wake up the next morning at breakfast. Oh, what happened to Mr. Brown? And the hotel owner would say he was called away on business. Um, then word got out, you know, this was a killer. So those who couldn't sell their homes or their hotels simply abandoned. Uh, this is about 1900 uh, from and really from 1900 to 1914, that's the transitional period. And the real estate prices plummeted and suddenly the group of people who had not been allowed to go to the Catskills, the Jews went to the Catskills and that's how it became what it became. And there were no industries that they could make money at except to open boarding houses for other Jews to come enjoy fresh air, fresh eggs and milk and bread and what, you know, entertainment. Well, that came. Yeah. Yeah, That just all gradually developed because they're there for the weekend. What are you going to do on a Saturday night? Yeah. So, so yeah, either they would put on their own plays or they would hire, you know, every, there was a tradition of Jewish humor laughing at, you know, the hardships that they had faced in life. So, you know, it was there. The seed was planted and it just flourished in Catskills until you, and I'm, I'm jumping over a lot of time and developments here, but what happened was at the end of World War II, for the first time ever in American history, there was a Jewish middle class and Jews with money and they wanted to spend it. And the rest of the country still, uh, it was a country club mentality, uh, which meant no Jews. So this is why you had the, the Grossinger's Hotel and Country Club, uh, the Concord Hotel and Country Club, Kutcher's Hotel and Country Club. The Jews had their own country clubs up there and they had the best entertainment. They had the best food. The portions never ended. And, um, you know, the talent that was there, you, you would then see Sunday nights on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. So it was it was altering the culture. And. Anyway, that, that, that's the great transitional period. Complicated, yes. But, and then it ended because it had run its time. Yep. And the next generation didn't want to work that hard. It was also the mid-60s. You had air conditioning. So you really weren't forced to go to the hotel. Women entered the workplace. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to spend the entire summer watching the kids while their husbands were back in town having affairs with their secretaries. <laughs> and um, yeah. but yeah, but also the women would you know have affairs with the waiters up at the hotel. 
hotels while the husbands were away. That went on too. Well, that's some different stories. <laughs> yeah. And there was the, the flight to the suburbs. People had their own swimming pools. And Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, which meant all these exclusive country clubs around the country could no longer restrict Jews. But there was also cheap airfare to Europe. Yep. Fly now, pay later. So the hotels started crumbling. Yeah. And, and that's continued to crumble. That's that's and unfortunate. The the 80s. And yeah. then it was over, period. Period. Over. It's seriously, yeah. it's I mean, it, it took a good 10 years to 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 get over, but it felt like with, with the way it's described in books and everything else, it felt like yeah. like instant, it's gone. Yeah, no, it wasn't that fast. But you have to remember, you know, <laughs> nobody it was the 60s. So by the mid 60s, it all started to go in, in 16. But and yet, you know, they were, the hotels were still doing their thing. You still had the comic Henny Youngman coming up there and saying, take my wife, please. And mm-hmm. Alan King doing mother-in-law jokes and all this sort of old. Mm. Meanwhile, in 1969, up in the Catskills, Woodstock takes place. So if you really needed to see where was the generation gap, you had it in the Catskills. Crazy crazy that's so crazy amazing but like there's so much there's so much up there there's there's geologically all the way to today it, it's just so much in the catskills i mean you could yeah. find a lot about other places you know we got the adirondacks the white mountain stuff like that but nothing like the catskills nothing has it evolved from the early start of of, of the white man in, in america to to now I mean, it's insane. It's really crazy. And of course, my, my favorite time, of course, to read about is the Borscht Belt because, I mean, yeah, it's just there, there's so much fascinating parts about it. It flourished. Uh, the hotels were magnificent, high class. Some of them weren't high class, but they were still magnificent. You had to wear a uh, gentleman had to, dr- you had to dress for dinner, men mm-hmm. in coat and ties, women in dresses. And the, the head waiters really acted as matchmakers, too. we got to go into that. Um, how, really? you know, if fam, families would, the same families would come so, season after season. And, um, you know, so the, the head waiters would know their children, especially sing available daughters, because the, the bus boys would be uh, law students and medical students, and they would earn their tuition from the tips. I just spoke to a group of retired doctors from Bellevue Hospital. And one guy said that every summer from his tips, he made his $1,000 med school tuition. And he said, I don't know how anybody does that today because how do you make $350,000? Yeah, yeah. I was just (laughs) going to ask that. What's what's the price of back in the 60s when you you made $1,000? Good Lord. Yeah, right. Wow. And, and that's, that's uh, also, you know, I had a, I had a friend that, that I interviewed here about the Borscht Belt and he was a photographer down there and Uh he would take pictures of, of couples, you know, he's like, I'm the photographer. He worked at the Nevely. Right. And uh, he would take pictures of, of the couples and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know if he ever said something about the, 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 the husband, you know, cheating on the the wife, but he would always take pictures of them. And uh, it was just, he said, and they sold these, you're not old enough. I remember them in the fifties. <laughs> they were the little plastic. You looked in them and you held it up to the light. It was a slide inside. And you'd see yourself sitting at the table at the Concord or the Neville, which was 11 spelled backward. Mm. Uh, it wasn't a, 
an indigenous American name and it wasn't an Italian name. They just, there were 11 school teachers who picnicked on the ground. So they spelled wow. 11 backwards and that's how the, the Neville got <laughs> Wow, Butcher, that's new. You know, the one uh, where if you like sports, you went to Kutcher's and yep. Will Chamberlain was uh, raised by Mrs. Kutcher. He was the bellhop and he was so I tall remember. that if you, even if your room was on the second floor, you could just open your window and he would pass you your luggage. Nice. <laughs> where was uh, where was Mel Brooks located? He did stuff up there too, correct? Yeah, Mel Brooks worked in a bungalow colony. Okay, he bungalow. was very young. He was sixteen, and um, I don't know the the name of it. He tell well, he, he's the funniest man alive, uh, and he tells yeah. great stories of starting out up there, and uh, he he, play, he was a what they called a tumbler, and that was someone who just kept the guests entertained from morning to night. Nice. Um, and <laughs> if, the, if the, you know, the single daughters didn't have a dance partner, the tumbler would have to dance with them at night, but during the day, you know, they he would be making jokes all the time, which Mel Brooks is the master. And what he would do is he walk in, all dress, walk over to the pool, all dressed up like he had just arrived and with a suitcase, which he filled with rocks. So, and he, <laughs> he would walk into the pool, <laughs> they'd say, Hey, business. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then, and then he said, because he, he only knows how to add to a joke, he said, and then I remembered I couldn't swim. <laughs> anyway, that was, yeah, he was, he was there and he, he trained there. They all trained there and they were, the, they were known to be the toughest audiences on the planet, the guests of those hotels. And they would brag about who they walked out on. You know, I walked out on Henny Youngman. Well, I walked out on Barbara Streisand. Oh, wow. And every, you know, all these people got their starts up. Sid Caesar uh, married the daughter of uh, the owner of one of the lodges. And he wasn't up there as, as a comic. Sid Caesar played the saxophone. Seinfeld, so the right? show business stories are endless. Yeah. Now, I mean, they've been books unto themselves. Yeah. And that's it's crazy. Amazing. You got to hook me up with Mel Brooks, by the way. I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to hear his stories. Now. <laughs> He's and 95 now? He, yeah, he's isolated. Yeah, he's in California. Oh, I, I'm, I'm isolated as well. I'm in New York. So oh, yeah. hook me up with him. I'd love to hear his stories about the Borscht Belt. Yeah. That would be so cool. Um, anybody's old, if you have any any old timers that would love to talk about that, please hook me up because I just find those stories fascinated of what they used to do during the days and who they met. It was great stuff. I, we'll talk. <laughs> Excellent. So um, yeah. what's your favorite time in the Catskills, by the way? time of year well yeah well, anywhere but <laughs> the period yeah yeah your if, time I of history. A, if i had mr peabody in the Wayback machine uh-huh. i'd go to the uh gangster era the uh-huh. 20s prohibition and that that's when all the, the the guys from new york city would flee up here to to hide yeah. or and you could get it you know there were distilleries up there because you could hide them Mm. uh and oh, yeah. high bodies that was another big lure for the gangsters but <laughs> and they would have fire hoses pumping beer into the restaurants interesting but yeah you know i i wish i had seen the, the borscht belt of course yeah it's i did i did go with my parents to vegas in the 60s and the vegas hotels were mocked by which were, we know were built by gangsters yep. um and in the 60s they were still running them uh and they were they modeled themselves on gross and all well later so did disney world and the cruise ships 
because whatever you needed, you never had to leave the gate mm. from gasoline to an evening dress. It was all on the property. And um, so I, I, I got a bit of a taste seeing it as a child in Vegas, but I'd like to have experienced the whole thing. I wouldn't have gone for the food. I wasn't, I was a very picky eater as a child, but I yeah. like to see it. Yeah. But um, what about like the gangster era that, that intrigued you? Like uh, just, just of the stories of them coming up and fleeing and, and I'm hide. not the only one, uh, you know, there's a reason the Godfather, it's a great movie, but there's a reason we're intrigued and the Sopranos, you know, we want, we want to know about the darker side of life without real, you know, we want our noses pressed against those windows but we don't want to be involved with them because God help you. Yeah. But aren't they fascinating to watch? And that's how I felt about that chapter in the book. Uh, there's a reason for the in reader interest, movie audience re interest. Yeah, you're right. You want to be taken out of yourself. And, um, you know, these people aren't like we are. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I can't wait to read that, reread that again. Because <laughs> because there's so much I, I remember. Yeah, but and that, there'll be a pop quiz in the morning. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, when I I gotta wake up at 3 45. So <laughs> oh that's a, that's a, I don't <laughs> think I'll be alive. <laughs> but excellent. So I'll have to reread that and and check out that that time because it sounds fascinating once again. Um now, do you do you ever like you've gone to the Catskills? Do you ever have a favorite spot in the Catskills? Well, my editor's house, but and my agent actually has a house there. Um, favorite spot. I what I do was when I drive up there, um, I'll I'll stop and pull over for any waterfall. Good call. I am an absolute sucker for waterfalls, and you've got them up there. Oh yeah. So those would have to be my favorite spots. Nice. That's a, that's a great time uh, to yeah. stop. The waterfall is definitely enjoyable. Number one, because it's, even if you're in the, the summer, it's air conditioned with the, the mist of the yeah. falls. <laughs> yeah. So, but excellent. Yeah. I've, I mean, there's so many places to enjoy up here. I mean, Phoenicia. Yeah. Narrowsburg is charming. Yeah. Calicoon is charming. Yep. There's, I like charm. Yeah. Arkville, Margaretville. I love all those places right. in the Southern uh, Western part. I mean, I'm close to there. They're just hopefully like, like you said, hopefully they're coming back to life. I'd like to oh, see. They definitely are. Yeah. And I'd like to see a little bit more storefront. Although I talked to my agent today. She said it was nine degrees up there. Yes. <laughs> I woke up. It was eight degrees here at my place. Oh, see, well, she's in a heat wave belt. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oneonta. We're lucky sometimes. So, yeah. but excellent. That's that's some great information and I I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed enjoyed me tonight. You know, I'm fascinated by your book. Uh, hopefully I can't thank you enough that you're like a shot of adrenaline. Oh, well, excellent. I mean, this is, this is a shot of adrenaline because it keeps me <laughs> awake at night, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. And I, I, I'm glad you could join me. I didn't know, you know, I had, I had my doubts that a famous person like you would, would join me on a small podcast like this. So things could happen. Oh, don't be silly. Listen, you know, I was a journalist. I was a, I was a journalist on my high school newspaper. And I thought I demanded as much respect as the reporter from Time Magazine. So there's no bigger than there's no small. And you, 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 you never know who you're going to reach. Yeah. Uh, and 
it's it's important. So keep doing what you're doing. And I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Please do. (laughs) And we'll do this again. Yes, yes, definitely. If you have anything you want to talk about or stuff like that, pour out some yeah. information, please. Well, if you want to hike through an amusement park, I can I can help you. But an, ab- an abandoned <laughs> it's one? Mostly about being sitting down and being strapped in. Do you go through the abandoned ones? No. Oh, okay. Like we'll we'll have to we'll have to go through an abandoned uh, like Kutchner's or Grossinger's or stuff. Yeah, like that. I don't. You know, I that's not what I I don't want to write depressing books. I don't yep. want to skip over what really happened and I don't, but don't focus on derelict. Focus on what was the golden age and, yeah. and how can we emulate it? How can we adapt it today and, and use it to our own benefit? Uh, you know, I don't think there's nothing to be gained from looking at algae and graffiti yep. at this beautiful pool that was built by this remarkable woman, Jenny Grossinger. Who, ha- who had to leave school when she was in the fourth grade to help support her family and her girlfriends. She was lucky. She worked in her family's restaurant. Her girlfriends went to work in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory and they were all incinerated when that went up in smoke. So yeah, I, I, I don't like abandoned. Yeah. I'm not into abandonment. <laughs> and, and I look at the Borscht Belt as uh, a growth time. And I look at it as... Yeah as the time when, when everything flourished. And I love to see pictures of right. people smiling, the big hotels, you know, everybody right. enjoying life. They were in the Catskills. Yeah. In the Catskills. Yeah. But um, once again, thank you for joining me. Again, thank you. My sponsor at Senior Crowd Guiding. Thank the donors. Thank you very much for the donors. Uh, thank everyone who is listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying this. Subscribe on any platform. Look me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a website. If you have a time, shoot me a review. Check out uh, Stephen's book. You can probably purchase it anywhere. I, th- I think I purchased it in a local bookstore, but you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's called The Catskills, It's History and How It Changed America. Phenomenal book. The history of the Catskills is beyond the limits of your brain. So take it day by day. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me, uh, Stephen. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. This was great. Really I had a, I had a great time and I hope you did too as well. I did. I thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. And you, I woke up. I didn't need the call. <laughs> right. <You> were- <laughs> that, so good. It could be good for your next interview. <laughs>